Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Before I get going here, I also want to add my uh, thanks and appreciation and uh, love for uh, Connie and Marge. Uh, uh, Dr. Conrad Schwalm, as many of you know, uh, is a retired dentist and literally put a smile on the faces of St. Andrew um, on many occasions over the years and uh, got a lot of stories about Connie and Marge, uh, most of which I will not tell in this moment, but I will uh, add one. When we first came to our new church, uh, Connie Schwamm was unhappy with the hardness of the uh, kneeling step when he came to the Lord's Supper. And so these kneeling pads uh, that you kneel on from time to time, courtesy of the Schwamms. Uh, you can commune in comfort from now on. I also want to say uh, happy birthday to our sister Irma Cuellar, 88 years old today. A surrogate grandmother to our three children as they grew up and many others here at St. Andrew. And just think, Irma, you were only 65 when I got here. So, you know, <laughs> there you go. And then uh, uh, last but not least, let me uh, tease you a little bit and say uh, next week you're in for a very special treat because uh, Pastor Gonzalez will be preaching. But it's not the one you think. Uh, we will welcome Pastor Matthew Gonzalez, brother of Pastor... Nick Gonzalez, who will be our uh, guest preacher. So come and see how the Gonzalez brothers behave while they lead worship together uh, here at, uh, at St. Andrew. We uh, certainly do uh, look forward to that. Uh, well, as uh, I well know, the Bible is what it is, regardless of where we go. And yet, if there is uh, one verse of Scripture uh, that means a whole lot more uh, to me uh, than it did before I came here, 23 years ago uh, today. Uh, that verse is John 1:41, which is not only the biblical foundation for the naming of this congregation, but it's really the foundation of what we're all about here and what God has called us to do in this community of faith. And in that verse, as you heard, Andrew, our namesake, goes to his brother and says, we have found the Messiah, and then takes his brother to Jesus. And in doing so, he arranges a meeting that changes his brother's whole life and changes the story of our faith and the history of the church forever. And so uh, today I want to talk with you a little bit about people who arrange those meetings. People who may have arranged a meeting like that for you. About how you and I can arrange those meetings for other people in our lives and what it looks like to do that uh, in a church that uh, every day tries to live up to the reputation of our namesake, which, uh, by the way, I take very personally because in case you're not aware of this, Andrew is my middle name. But before I do that, I want to back up and uh, share some thoughts about the whole passage and not just that uh, one verse today. Uh, beginning with the fact that it really makes a great transition uh, from the baptism of Jesus, which we heard about uh, last week in Matthew chapter 3, because uh, today's passage begins with John the Baptist's recollection or remembrance of uh, Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan and uh, the insight that it gave him and the 
chain reaction of witness that it set off in John chapter 1. Uh, the other thing I would uh, share with you are all the titles that are given to Jesus in uh, the passage that Pastor Nick read uh, just a moment ago, beginning with uh, Lamb of God, which uh, John uses, as you may know, repeatedly. And it has its origins uh, in the Old Testament and Exodus with the Passover lamb uh, whose blood brought life out of death and the prophecy of Isaiah, which we read every year on Good Friday about the lamb who was slain, though he did no violence, he was an offering for the sins of the people, he was buried among the rich, all of which pointed to and uh, was fulfilled in Jesus, which is why John calls him the Lamb of God, and he says, this is the one, this is the, this is the Lamb that God provided as this once and for all sacrifice for our, our forgiveness and for our life. And then a little bit later, you get the title Son of God, which is also uh, from Old Testament roots, and it has to do with authority and, and with power. And then uh, later on, you get the, the title Rabbi, which means teacher. And then, then finally comes that verse that's, that's precious to me, and I know to you as well, where Andrew, our namesake, calls Jesus his Messiah which is a Hebrew word meaning anointed one. In Greek, it's Christos. In English, it's Christ. All of which is to say that Jesus is the one that they've been looking for, praying for, hoping for, so that people who have their meeting with him would come to know him as the Messiah, the Christ, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the teacher of your life. Well, I wanted to point out those titles since we were already in the biblical neighborhood. Uh, let me now get back to Andrew and to what it means in the words of John to bring our brother, to bring our sister, to bring somebody in your life to Christ. Because my guess is uh, that anybody here who knows the Lord, who loves the Lord, would love to know that there's somebody in this world who has their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life because God used you to arrange that meeting. And here's how it goes, at least here are a few things that jump out at me from the passage, the first of which is that Andrew's ministry comes out of his own personal experience. He doesn't go to Peter and, and say to Peter, you know, uh, I hear there might be something to this Jesus guy, why don't we go check it out? He goes to Peter and he says, I found the Messiah. And it's out of his conviction, out of his personal experience, that he brings his brother to Jesus and to a meeting that would change his, his brother's whole life. And he does it out of that conviction, out of that experience. And with that in mind, I, I'd like to invite you to think about what your, as we sometimes refer to it, your elevator conversation might sound like. In other words, if you only had you know, 30 seconds or a couple of sentences to express your faith, your relationship with, with Jesus Christ and, and invite somebody into their own meeting with him, what would you say? Now maybe you might say, you know, I found the Messiah because, you know, obviously worked for Andrew. Or you might say something different because your experience is different. You know, maybe you'll say something like, you know, hey, you know, I've pretty much known Jesus all my life and I want to invite you in, you know, that's, that's it. Or maybe you'll ask the question that Jesus asked in verse 34, you know, what are you, what are you looking for? Followed by the invitation to come see where Jesus hangs out in his house and with his family. I mean, I don't know what you would say, but what I know is that a lot of people just get tripped up because we haven't thought about our experience and how we might put that into words. And so, 
for openers, I'd invite you to just do that. Think about it a little bit. You know, practice in front of the mirror if you want to, but you know, make it your own, make it real. The other observation that jumps out of me is that uh, you know, Andrew's witness comes in the context of a relationship that he already has, namely and obviously with his own brother. And while I wouldn't want that to discourage you from uh, arranging a come to Jesus meeting with a casual acquaintance or even a stranger that you meet, I also know that most of the time it happens in the context of a relationship that has already developed because you know, when somebody I know, somebody I love, somebody I trust tells me that something's good, then you know, I tend to think it's, it's probably good. I think of a cartoon in a magazine I saw uh, one time uh, where the caption said, guaranteed to keep the seat next to you empty. And it's a picture of a guy on a bus with a t-shirt that says, ask me about my religion. <laughs> it's the relationship that obviously and so often makes the difference, although I certainly wouldn't uh, rule that out. But I can tell you that, you know, I'm not a follower of Jesus because my parents ordered me to be one, though they did. I'm a follower of Jesus because they were followers of Jesus. And because I saw their experience, I believed in them and what they taught me and what they said to me. Some of you might remember a few years back on a Sunday morning, we passed out a blank pieces of paper with our worship materials, and I asked all of you uh, to very quickly write down the first names of people who you know uh, who don't have a relationship with Christ, who don't have a relationship with this church family. And that weekend at our four, four services, we got almost 2,000 names. And I said, well, see, there it is. That's our future congregation. These are the people. You already know them. And maybe we're not going to get 2,000. You know, maybe it'll be like you know, 900 or something like that. But you know, one of the great joys that I've had here over these years in a church that bears the name of Andrew is going around at our faith walk or new member class and asking people like you, you know, how'd you get here? How'd you find us? And some people say, you know, it was the website or they drove by. But so often I hear things like, well, my sister goes here. I work with somebody who's a member here. Met somebody at the gym. They invited me here. Somebody, a student in my class, invited me to come here. In fact, I think of uh, a member of this congregation, Barbara Matulo, some of you know. And I'll never forget that when we got to her in one of those classes, she looked at me and she said, your daughter invited me here. Because Barbara was a high school teacher where Lauren was going to high school at the time, and Lauren invited Miss Matulo, you know, so shout out to Lauren. So you just never know who your brother's gonna be, who your sister's gonna be, who your friend, your neighbor, your colleague, the people that you meet at the gym or wherever you happen to go. Which leads me to a, a, another observation, and that is that, you know, Andrew's witness was really part of a chain reaction. It didn't even start with him. As you heard, it started with John the Baptist, because Andrew was actually a disciple of John. 
before he was ever a disciple of Jesus. But John had a meeting with Jesus in the baptism of Jesus, which we heard about last week. And as a result of that meeting, he responds by pointing Andrew to Jesus and saying, there's the Lamb of God. And then Andrew has a meeting with Jesus, and he responds by bringing his brother to Jesus, and on and on it goes. And it, it reminds me of that, you know, just great true story uh, that comes from uh, the first congregation that I served more than 30 years ago in Baltimore, where there was a woman by the name of Rose Hebel, and Rose Hebel uh, lived close to the church, and she walked to church every uh, Sunday. And one Sunday, as she was walking to church, she saw a kid from the neighborhood who she knew playing in the front yard, and she invited him to Sunday school. And he went in and told his mother, and off they went. That's where he met Jesus. A little while later, you know, his mother started coming. And then a little while later, you know, his father started coming, and the other members of his family, his siblings, started coming. And then, you know, a little while after that, uh, the mother's sister, she came. And then her husband came, and their children came. And then, you know, one of their children, you know, had a boyfriend, and the, and the boyfriend came. And then, and then the boyfriend's parents came. And, you know, before you know it, I mean, you've got three, four families in this congregation because Rose Hebel invited a little kid to Sunday school, walking to church on Sunday morning, and she set off a chain reaction. And you can only imagine the blessings that took place as a result of that. And so, you know, you might set off, you might be part of or in the middle of some chain reaction that can change the spiritual story of another person for all eternity. I mean, on this weekend, as we uh, remember the ministry of Martin Luther King Jr., it's, it's also true that so many people were part of the American Civil Rights uh, Movement for uh, racial equality in this country because they were part of a chain reaction that led back to him as we also uh, pray that the dream that he had would be realized and renewed also in our generation once again. And that brings me to uh, one more observation that I, I have for you, and I, and I think this one's pretty important. It has to do with the fact that in the Gospels, you know, Andrew, quite honestly, really wasn't a major player. I mean, he wasn't part of the starting lineup like Peter and James and John, for example, were. As I sometimes like to say, you know, your church is named after, you know, this mid-level saint, you know, who tended to work behind the scenes. But what he did is the most important thing anybody could ever do, any child of God could ever do. In John chapter 6, you know, we find the feeding of the multitudes. Andrew is the one who finds the boy with five loaves and the two fish, brings him to Jesus, and Jesus uses that kid to perform a miracle. In John chapter 12, some Gentiles come along. They want to meet Jesus, which probably raised a few eyebrows. Andrew is the one who steps up. He brokers the meeting. And today, out of his conviction, his experience, Andrew's the one who wakes up his brother and says, you got to come and meet him. We found the Messiah. 
And as you know, that brother turns out to be the number one key leader of the apostles, the spokesman for the group who never would have even met Jesus if his brother didn't arrange the meeting. You know, last week, uh, as I said, we celebrated the baptism of Jesus, renewed our own baptismal uh, covenant, and today's passage picks up with John's recollection of that baptism. And last week I talked about uh, the baptism of a man uh, here at St. Andrew, Jim Abeles, who some of you know, who was baptized uh, eight years ago this month. What I didn't tell you last week is that that following Easter, we asked Jim Abeles to be the one to stand up in this room and welcome the worshipers to their resurrection day. And I still remember, maybe not word for word, but basically what he said. Walked up here and he said, good morning, welcome to St. Andrew. I am Jim Abeles, and I was baptized here earlier this year. And I'm celebrating my first Easter as a Christian. And I want you to know that Jesus is my Messiah and that he has my back. And that this day means that he's alive he is risen, and that Jesus has your back too. Well, I was standing in the back of the church waiting for the procession, you know, blinking my tears down, and thinking to myself, you know, that simple, short word of welcome and witness just had more spiritual horsepower than any sermon I'm going to preach today. And you know how I know that? Because there are people in this very room who remember that moment. Nobody in this room remembers my sermon on Easter Sunday, 2012. <laughs> but to God be the glory. And so I give thanks to God for all those people who arranged all those meetings that helped me to know and follow Jesus and call him my Messiah, my Christ my teacher for life. I thank God for all the meetings that you've arranged over the course of our life together here at the church that bears the same name of St. Andrew, in your actions, in your words, for brothers and sisters, people like brothers and sisters, friends, neighbors, colleagues, acquaintances, people at the gym, people who are young and old, people who come from places that are near and sometimes very far away. I thank God that I'm part of a church that bears the name of St. Andrew. And I pray uh, that there will be a lot more of these meetings in the days to come. Because our role isn't to coerce anybody or convince anybody. Our role is to arrange the meeting and see what Christ will do with it. I mean, you just don't know who has yet to come here because of it. You know, he may send us 18 miles up the road to another mission field. He may make us build another parking lot or have five services on Christmas Eve. I don't know what he's going to do. But he's going to do something. And, and I give thanks for what has happened. And with you, I, I pray for more, more meetings, more people who are brought to the saving grace and the eternal love of the one who comes to be our Messiah, our teacher for life. And I wish you the the highest blessing and the greatest joy of, of knowing at some point in your journey that there's somebody else in your world who has their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life because God used you 
to arrange that meeting. And to God be the glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to rise as we confess our faith together.